Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to On The Mic. My name is Mike Goldman and on today's show, if you are into motivation porn, you have come to the right place, my friends. You know the kind of people you see on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere saying, hey, if you want to make a million dollars right now by working one day a week, well, those people are full of crap. Uh, This guy's the real deal. He's got 17 bestseller books. He's got a business with about a thousand staff all over the world called Action Coach and they don't just coach people, they coach businesses to do well. I don't know how many countries it's in. It's in a lot. But we talked to uh, Brad Sugars about that. He's living in Vegas, got to stay with him a couple of days on my way to Area 51. You know the Facebook group, Let's See Them Aliens, Storm Area 51? Well, I went to Area 51 and I stormed the place. That's another episode which you can listen to or you can watch on my YouTube channel, Facebook or Instagram at Mike Goldman Live. Check that out. And you know what? I really love it if you give us a five-star review on iTunes. I know it's probably your first time listening to this and you're going, why am I going to give you a review? Because, you know, I just appreciate it. It gives me tingles. It makes me happy. If you want to make people happy in the planet, you're making one person happy, that's me. Okay, so uh, before Brad Sugars, I just want to tell you about a couple of quick things. They're not sponsors. Don't worry. Uh, I am holding a film festival. (laughs) Yeah, I started a film festival about five years ago at Sanctuary Cove, which is on the Gold Coast. And the year I started it, I played a feature film that I made called Shooting Goldman, which you can watch online. It looks like a reality TV movie, but it turns out I start murdering people. It's a, uh, <laughs> a fiction film uh, worth watching. And uh, anyway, so we started the film festival with that about five years ago at my mate Matt Hollywood's theatre at Sanctuary Cove where he does magic shows every Friday and Saturday. And uh, it went really well. So we, we did it for the next five years and it was huge. So this year it's on November 23rd, Saturday night. And the first five people to Instagram me, let's say Instagram, at Mike Goldman Live, will get themselves a double pass to come to the big Saturday night short film festival. And those tickets are 120 bucks each. It includes food and alcohol, plus you get to meet Tamin Sursock from Home and Away and Pretty Little Liars with Nicole Kidman, um, Wayne Blair. Now, Wayne is one of the best directors in Australia. He made Top End Wedding, Brilliant film. Uh, Also, The Sapphires. He was on Redfern now. I think he directed a few episodes as well. Clever Man. Won so many awards. And he's just an awesome dude. And I'm so happy that he's coming along to the festival. He's going to be running a little panel as well for filmmakers. We also have uh, Glenn Condy, who's a mate of mine forever, who actually um, made a lot of uh, short films, a lot of features. Uh, He's also... He made Top End Wedding as well with, uh, with Wayne... Blair and uh, and he's just a cool dude. He's going to get on one of the panels too. He'll be there. Who else am I forgetting? Oh yeah, Dan Ewing is going to be at the Sanctuary Cove Film Festival from The Occupation and Home and Away. And he's also landed himself a role in a blockbuster US series called Monster Problems. This is Marvel's latest franchise, and he is just over the moon to be a part of that. So it'd be really good to have him along at the festival. So sanctuaryfilmfestival.com if you want to find out the info and if you have a film that you'd like to enter into the competition as well, there's still some time to do that, sanctuaryfilmfestival.com. And one more tiny teensy little thing that I would like to tell you about is Big Brother. Yeah. I, you know, I like to avoid it because 
everyone asks me about it everywhere I go. <laughs> it's been going on for, oh God, 19 years of my life now. And just recently, I uh, did a few stories talking about Big Brother and the house being burnt down and people going into the dilapidated Big Brother house and filming it and getting millions of views and put it on the news. A couple of guys who have a podcast called The Phone Hacks Podcast had me on the show and pretended that I was living in the Big Brother house. They hacked my phone and wrote on my Twitter uh, that I was homeless and living in the Big Brother house. I got calls from friends and family about that. Anyway... There's been a lot of talk in the media about the show, so I guess that made TV networks decide, hey, a lot of people are still talking about this show. Why don't we give it a run? So Channel 7 are announcing very shortly, apparently. I don't think the deal's 100% done. Apparently that the show is coming back. So that's exciting. But just to uh, pump up the crowd a little, a little bit more and pump up the volume... Endemol Shine, who's the company that owned the rights to Big Brother and are producing here in Australia, if it does go ahead, are doing auditions. So if you think you've got what it takes to be in the next series of Big Brother, pull your finger out, Google Big Brother Australia auditions and have a crack, why don't you? Just be yourself. I have a feeling they're not looking for the next big Instagrammers or Facebookers or YouTubers, uh, just people who are general everyday people. Be honest, see what happens. Hopefully you get on because it's the best show in the universe and I love it and it'll be great if it comes back. Even if I don't end up working on it and I don't even know if I am. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to On The Mic, the one, the only, the legendary Bradley J. Sugars. Hey, welcome to the show today. One of Australia's most amazing businessmen who lives in the USA, but he's probably an American citizen now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Brad Sugars. Thank you, buddy. I am an Oz American now. I'm a dual citizen. So. Uh, an Oz Yankee. What the hell is an Aussie businessman doing living in Las Vegas, living the dream? You know, uh, look, I moved to America for business because, I mean, if you can do business internationally, it's damn hard from Australia. Mm. you got, you got to travel everywhere. So I moved to America and, uh, you know, married a girl from Boston. So now uh, we live here in Vegas, the only city in America fun enough for an Australian. Is it fun enough or is it because there's amazing tax breaks here? Well, the tax definitely and helps. The show's every night, though. Yeah, but, you know, you look at it, the tax is only state tax. America has a different tax system to Australia where you have federal and state. Mm. And, like, California charges you another 14% just to live in California. That'd be like if New South Wales said you want to pay 14% extra just to live in Sydney. That You'd be like, they no, should, I'm They should do better. that in Australia, though, because we don't have that system where if people live in the country or areas that aren't as populated, they pay less tax. But the, we're talking about tax at the start of the show. This is not a show about tax. Yeah, yeah. But, but you know, why move here... Yeah, it's definitely fun. I mean, every night there's there's shows, there's everything. You know, if where we live here in uh, in, in uh, Summerlin, we're literally ten minutes from the best desert hiking. Mm. In the winter, we're forty five minutes up to the ski field, the snow skiing. People like you get snow in Vegas. Yeah, mm. it's the middle of the desert. You know, up in the mountains, and then forty five minutes the other way, we're out on Lake Mead. In the summer on the boat. So well, it's only 10 minutes away from my money in Las Vegas here. I can go visit that as well. <laughs> I'm sure that's what a yeah, lot of we, people do. We build these billion-dollar buildings so you can win. Yeah, exactly. Not. It just yeah. doesn't happen that way. No, but I, but I, when people do win, they put a big picture of them on the front. And, oh, that could be me. Yeah, yeah. You know, most people don't come to Vegas anymore for the gambling. And gambling's a little bit of it, but the mm. clubs, the shows, yeah. the concerts, now, now even the sport, you know, mm. we got – Professional hockey, baseball, uh, women's uh, professional basketball. The Raiders start here next year. So. All, all the big boxing events are here as well. Yeah, I can't believe the Raiders are moving from Oakland to Las Vegas. I yeah, only just found that out. We gave them, uh, we gave them about seven hundred million towards the two seven hundred million towards the two billion dollar stadium. So you know, sixty five thousand seat stadium adds value to a city. So of mm. course, the city's going to. And we, do that. we were at a concert last night, the iHeart Radio concert, mm-hmm. and we got to see Miley Cyrus, the Zac Brown Band, which you loved. Uh, who else was playing? Uh, Chance the Rapper, Alicia Keys. Marshmallow. Her, marshmallow. <laughs> you know, and, and as I said to you last night, this is just a typical Saturday night in Vegas. And mm. people think I'm crazy, but no, in the last month I've had, uh, I've been to um, Eric Clapton, Elton John, Paul McCartney, you know, boxing, you name it, it's here. And What's the best show you've been to lately? Uh, either Elton or Paul McCartney, I would say. Yeah. Elton's amazing. You, know. you seen the new movie? 
Uh, yeah, we watched the movie before the show just to uh, recontextualize. Re- re- <laughs> That's like the third time I've seen him here. Yeah. He uh, did one with Billy Joel here uh-huh. years ago, and then he did his million dollar piano tour. And, yeah, wow. You know, but he had a Vegas residency, and people are like, You have a residency? Yeah. I mean, then the night before Backstreet Boys played, they had a residency here. They, I mean, it's so much fun. This is a great city to live in, and I think we're very spoiled because, you know, we've got a whole bunch of Michelin-rated restaurants downtown. Yeah. And from that perspective, you've got people sort of sitting there saying, well, the the hospitality industry in our city is at such a high level that even the suburban restaurants yeah. are amazing. Mm. Yeah, what's your favourite restaurant around here? There's so many. Oh, around here? Uh, oh, because you're a little bit out of town. Yeah. But in Vegas, I mean, you've got like Gordon Ramsay, some of the best chefs in the yeah, world. Yeah, Gord- Gordon's restaurant's okay. Okay. Um, you know, it's just okay. I mean, you, you've... You got to understand if you go to the top end of town, mm. you got Jean Rubichon, three star Michelin. You got Le Cirque. You've got these amazing French restaurants that are just spectacular. See, I'm so trashy. I just go straight for the Master Chef dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but then you got such sushi masters. Yeah. You've got two Nobu restaurants. Yeah, I mean, wow. it's it's we're very very spoilt for choice That's here. Pretty cool. You got all of the best chefs in the world, the best chefs from around the world. Vegas brings them mm. here mm. And, and does that. I mean, catch Vegas just, doesn't have a big population either, does it? It's something oh, like we're about two and a half million. Two and a half million. Yeah, the greater Los. Wikipedia it before and I said yeah, but, but see. America, they don't do greater city when they show population right, base. Okay, they yeah. show the actual city. Oh, so okay. yeah, yeah, uh, Greater enough. Las Vegas is about 2.5 million. Mm-hmm. Um, and about 4,000 people a month move to this city. Mostly mm-hmm. Californians trying to escape the taxes mm-hmm. and the high cost <laughs> of real estate. Or, or uh, the Northeasters trying to get out of the weather. Uh, my in-laws just moved here from Massachusetts. Yeah, there are a like, few doors down here yeah, yeah. handling that. Oh, mate, it's great. Having grandma and grandpa That's just cool. down the road, the kids love it. When you got five kids, having grandparents around is a pretty damn cool thing. Yeah, that's awesome. So you're a Brisbane boy, come good, moved to America, and you, you don't spend all of your time here in Las Vegas because you, you're constantly traveling. You've got mm. the, how many staff? Thousands of staff all over the world with your very successful business, Action Coach, that coaches other businesses. Yeah, well, Action Coach has now got over a 1,000 offices in 80-odd countries. Wow. We just opened in Russia, which is very cool to be coaching business ah, in Russia. Yeah. And uh, it's, uh, you know, we coach all through the, the Middle East. We yeah. coach everywhere in the world. And mm. I think that's a lot of fun. We started in Brizzy, Australia, mm. back when Quest Community Newspapers and mm. my good mate who's passed now, Barry Gordon, started putting me up on stage doing seminars around. I remember doing one in the Brisbane City Town Hall to 1,700 people back then. And, yeah, well. you know, it was a lot of fun. I do a lot less seminars now. Yeah. Um, you, you know, just write books. You go, how many yeah. books? You got like nine books out? Uh, number 17 just got released. 17? 17 just went uh, Wall Street bestseller, wow, Amazon Publishers Weekly, all that. That's so, amazing. What's the latest one about? Uh, it's called Pulling Profits Out of a Hat. It's about how to have exponential business growth. So some businesses grow and then plateau or grow and dip mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. This is about how to have continuous, mm-hmm. never-ending growth mm-hmm. and what are the disciplines that it takes to do that. So... Um, you know, we, we're pretty lucky. We have 18,000 clients that we work with every single week around the world and about it's about 380,000 in our group programs every month. Mm. And so we test everything on them and then we put it in the book sort of thing. And mm. once we've proven it, then we use it in the book. So there's lots of similarities between, say, someone in Australia running a business to someone in Russia and someone in America. So it, it's all... The all, basics all are the same. You yeah. know, the basics are the same. Australia, you know, as much as I love my home country, Australia is much harder to be successful in yeah. business in most places. The right. tax system is ridiculous. Oh, we get taxed a lot. One oh. of the highest, most taxed countries in the world. Well, you, the French and the Belgian Belgians wouldn't agree with that, but you know, it's like the the understanding that Australia, the cost of living in Australia is beyond crazy right now. The the minimum wage, like when I tell people here in America, Australia's minimum wage is what is it now, twenty six dollars or some stupid number, yep. and, and they say how because here it's eight twenty five, mm. you know, and, and you sit down and you can run a business mm. and you can have all of that sort of stuff, but the cost of living, people don't get it. The cost of living here in America is so much less than in Australia. It's mm. not funny. Mm. Um, everything's so much cheaper. Yeah. Cars, there's no real crazy taxes on that sort of stuff. But even, you know, I tell people in America that in Australia you have to give people four weeks vacation every year and you got to pay them 17.5%. And you say leave loading and they look at you and go, what the heck is leave loading? Yeah. Well, that's where you actually have to pay them more when they don't work. It's yeah. fantastic. Well, Americans work really hard. Like uh, yeah. Bianca, my missus, is working here for Netflix at the moment on a, on a TV show. 
and they are getting it there early in the morning, mm-hmm. working till late at night. Late at night on Fridays, they don't even go up for, for work drinks like we do in Australia. No. We have it so much easier. But a lot of people will probably say to you in, in, in that aspect that there's the, the gap is widening between the rich and the poor. And people Not in America really. go, oh, good, good on you, Australia. Like, well done. You're looking after the workers. Are they screwing the workers in America? I don't think the gap is any different in Australia than it is in America. Mm. I mean, let's look at the cost of housing in Australia and all of those sorts of things. Cost of housing here is so much easier. Easier and someone can get a house for much cheaper. But you know, that all being said, every country in the world has its advantages and disadvantages. I mean, the fact that I get to travel a lot and, you know, through everywhere, basically, and mm. the cost of living in Japan is crazy high too. But mm. everyone has a different thing. And the thing is, and, and I still love, I still have my house on Hamilton Island in Australia, and mm. there's no way you can ever change or not love the Australian way. I mean, it is just... So, how good is Hamilton Island? Oh, yacht, ha- yacht Week. Oh, Hamo! So much fun. Listen, I've had a house on Hamo for now almost twenty years, mm. and I can't help but love the joint. Have and you the, ever and been the Oatley's the done race? phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, my, my house is on the water, right, so it's okay. like we're there. We have the yachts right in front of us every day. Because when, when they, they, it's like one of the world's biggest yacht races there at Hamilton Island. But they'll they'll yell out, "Anyone want to come for a ride?" Anyone like for the race? Yeah. And when I was there, I went, "Yeah, shit, yeah, I'll go out there for the race." And they, I get a bit seasick. I say, is it rough out there? And they go, no, no, it's one of the calmest days we've had. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It was the roughest day they've had. And this skipper just started yelling at me. He's like, pull the rope, get on that side of the boat. I was all nervous. I didn't know what to do. And so I've gone and pulled the rope. I have no understanding of sailing whatsoever. I'm pulling the rope and he didn't tell me to let go. And we've done the tacking thing and the sail's gone like that. The rope has just whizzed through my fingers and I've looked down at my melting hands in pain <laughs> and the skipper's just looked at me and gone, full-fingered gloves, like I'm supposed to know. Yeah. I'm standing on the shore. But anyway, that was the winning boat. Actually, that, that story goes a bit further because he was some rich dude who owned the boat. I can't remember who it was. But he hired professional sailors yeah. from, from overseas and they had to leave straight after the race to get on a plane to, to go back to England or wherever they were from. And, and he said, we've got no one to accept the trophy. So I actually went to the award ceremony and, <laughs> and, and accepted 10 gold medals at a big trophy and told that speech to everyone and, and no one laughed. They just looked at me like, who the fuck is this yeah, guy? Yeah. So, you know, Hamo is just one of those places and the Oatleys have done a phenomenal job mm. of rebuilding the island. Unfortunately, we, we all had to rebuild when we got... Uh, Big hit, and yeah. uh, but but you know I still I, I can't believe, and when the kids come down there, they just love it because you know we just wander around to the store and drive the golf carts everywhere, and it's very relaxing. I, I think people sh- people love Hamilton Island, so yeah, it's awesome. Hey, gotta ask you a question: hmm. How the hell do you pull profits out of a hat? Your new book. <laughs> Tell me uh, how to do that trick. You know, it's it's interesting because uh, when I first the reason I came up with that was I was sitting with a buddy of mine, and he said it must. It's just magic the way these, like he's looking at companies like Ikea and Amazon. How do, it, it must be just like magic the way they keep making more money. I'm like, you can't be serious. And so that's where we, we studied the disciplines of those sort of companies that grow like that. And um, they've got the right strategy. They've got the right business development. The people strategy is strong, execution is strong, and their mission is strong. And in this day and age... You know, we see we see these conversations about millennials, right? And it's like the millennials are the worst and laziest generation. Well, you know, so were the people who grew up in the '60s. So was my generation. You know, we were the worst generation ever, and every generation is the worst generation to one two apart from it, or two above, or two before. Like, I wasn't allowed to play video games when I was a kid, and now you can actually make a living out of it. Yeah, yeah. And win millions. Oh, I, I got two buddies that own the biggest uh, gaming place down here, where they come and play all the esports, and yeah. it's like. Esports. It's not esports, but then you're sitting on your ass, moving your thumbs really yep. fast. How is that exercise? I mean, you, you, unless you're on but steroids. Again, there's a ton of money in it. Now yeah. they're working out how they can have people bet on each kid that's playing the game. So, what? oh yeah. So one kid playing Halo against another kid. That's how old I am. I only I only remember you can Halo. Bet on it, but the kid could just go. Oh, there, let yeah. myself get shot, and and all of a sudden yeah, you can no, read the game. That, that that I doubt was going to happen. There's too much prize money on it to yeah, let yeah, yourself that's, lose. That's true. But you know the way the world is moving. Um, but this and back to the the, the point. Mm. The disciplines are the core behind actual success of business and. You know, I, we work with the CEOs of the biggest companies, the smallest businesses, the startups and all that stuff. And if they don't get the core right, it's very hard to succeed. Yeah, wow. So uh, bestseller book, 
This is not your first bestseller, though, is it? No, no, we've had others that have been bestsellers and mm. all that stuff. Uh, the one before it, The Wealth Coach, actually was a, uh, an e-book bestseller, mm. which is kind of cool. And uh, Buying Customers, that was also a bestseller. And, mm. yeah, I, I, I like that The Wealth Coach is because I wrote that for parents to be able to teach their kids money. Mm. And uh, funnily enough, I gave it to a buddy of mine beforehand. I said, read this and tell me if you think it'll be good for your kids. And he read it and he goes, Brad, you need to rewrite this book. I said, why is that? He said, because my kids will get it, but I didn't know all this stuff either. How can I teach it to them if I don't know it? So you need to rewrite it so parents can learn as well as the kids. And so What's the biggest what mistake people make when it comes to money? Oh, dang. One? Only one mistake? No, they make a lot of mistakes. You know, look, I think the simplest thing is they don't invest. Mm. That's that's the simple one. People, people think you got to have a lot of money to invest. And mm. the, the habit of investing is more important than the amount you invest. Mm. The habit is what forms and gradually the amount gets bigger. You know, I, I've always been a fan of real estate. I, I wrote a book on how to invest in real estate, but people don't even get it. Even the people teaching real estate investing don't get it. Mm. The core of real estate and why real estate is a great investment is you only ever pay for 20% of it. You only ever put down the 20% deposit. You have a tenant who pays the mortgage for you. People say, oh, they pay the rent. No, no, no. They don't pay the rent. They pay the mortgage on your behalf. Mm. So you buy a house, 20 years from now, the mortgage is fully paid off. Now, if it went up or down in value, people are like, oh, I don't know if it'll go up in value. I don't care. Mm. You still own it. I, I own it outright, and all I ever did was put 20% of it down. Yeah, right. So if you want to retire in 20 years, and you've got 20% of what you need for retirement, you buy a house today, mm. you put the 20% down, over 20 years, your tenants pay it off, mm. and hey, presto, you've got this asset that's fully paid off. Mm. Now, if it went up in value, bonus, cool, that's even better. But mm. the fact that someone else pays it off for you, mm. so... You just got to research and, and find the, the best place where you can actually... Yeah, get the rent return as long back as you're getting that pays rent. off the loan. Yeah, as long as you're getting rent mm. to pay off the loan, everything's good. But I think probably and if I go back so to your low. question, actually to yeah. answer your question properly, the biggest mistake people mistake uh, the biggest mistake people make with money is they don't learn it. Mm. They don't learn money. Mm. You know, and How if do you, you learn money. Well, you read about it, you study it, you read find, your books. Uh, yeah, read Seventeen my books, of them. You know, but not just mine, anybody's. You know, when I sat down and uh, my friends uh, Sharon Lecter and Robert Kiyosaki wrote the book Rich Dad Poor Dad, the biggest seller in uh, history of nonfiction books. And oh, Sharon see- wrote that with him. I thought he just wrote it. No, Sharon wrote it. Oh. Robert Sharon is uh, the greatest author there is. And oh, and wow. uh, when Robert first bought her ga- his board game to Sharon and Michael, Michael's Sharon's husband, mm. he was a patent attorney. And uh, he's now retired and living on their ranch in Arizona. But mm. um, they're such great, wonderful people. But Sharon's written more books like Think and Grow Rich for Women. She, oh, you know, wow, she's, really? She's written a whole bunch. Uh, oh, so he, he, he made a board game and then... She turned it into a book for him. Yeah, well, she wrote the book as a brochure. If you you ask Sharon, she'll tell you it was actually just meant to be a brochure for the board game. And then it became the biggest seller. And And now uh, he's traveling the world. Teaching and stuff, yeah. Teaching about the board game? Well, he's done a phenomenal job at getting the world to think about financial education. Yeah, yeah. You know, and the lack of financial education, Sharon actually had it made law in their home state of Arizona that kids at school must learn finance. So it's now law. They must be taught financial classes. Oh, we should have that in Australia. We should have that everywhere. Mm. I mean, people sit down and they learn algebra, but they don't learn how to balance a checkbook. Algebra just messed with my head. Who cares about algebra? I hated algebra. Who goes to the shops and buys X worth of eggs and Y worth of bananas? In the the (laughs) days of Google, right? we have to change what we're educating our kids mm. in. We started a foundation a few years ago to educate kids to be employers, not employees. Mm. Our, the Action Coach Foundation is designed, we started in the UK, now we're here in the US, it's designed to help young people want to be entrepreneurs mm. rather than get a job. Mm. And see, if you look at the history of the way the economies of the world have worked, we had the agrarian age, which of course the British won, they had the most land, they, they conquered the world and then in the industrial age, as we moved into that, the U.S. won the first half of the industrial age because they invented everything. They mm. invented steel and electricity and cars and you name it, the gas, petrol, you know, America invented it. Then the second half of that was won by the uh, Japanese. They were the best manufacturers on the planet. 
And uh, then when we went in the information age, it came back to America because America has Hollywood and Silicon Valley. Mm. While the Japanese were making great VCRs, America was making the movies to go in the VCRs or Mm. in the DVD players. And now Hollywood and Silicon Valley are two of the biggest parts of the U.S. economy when you understand what it actually does and how it educates the world into uh, that thing. But we sit here today in a world where... um, the economies of the world have shifted to such a degree that we've had to go back into the industrial age for India and China and Africa to move to catch the rest of the world. Mm. So that's where we're making big plays in Africa, big plays in India, big plays in uh, not so much in China anymore. We've sort of is that with Action Coach or well, with all of our businesses. businesses. So all of our companies uh, are moving in that direction because. When you sit and you look at India, there's a, there's a country with more than half the population is millennial generation. Mm. You know, and we sit down and we say, the millennial generation, well, America, the baby boomers sort of have aged out. So the populations have stopped. Australia did the same. China is sort of the same. Japan, the same. But mm. India, they just got control of their, their healthcare system to a point where now that generation will be like the baby boomers of the rest of the world. Uh, and they have healthcare through. in India? Massively good. You know, there's an interesting book you could read called Factfulness. Hans Rosling wrote it. And uh, Bill Gates was actually quoted on the cover saying it's probably the most important book you'll read in this in this decade. Mm. So it goes through where the world is at today. You mm. know, uh, education of women today is uh, the average 30-year-old woman has had nine years education. The average 30-year-old man's had 10. So we're almost caught up in there. Mm. And female education is massively important to us as a society because if they are uh, understand and are knowledgeable, they can get better care of their children and that sort of thing. So death rate drops of, mm. of children, and then the world starts to stabilize. So mm. we're doing a good job What's as that a planet. Factfulness. Factfulness. That yeah. sounds like an interesting, interesting one to read. It's a very good read, and and that's I think that goes back to the thing. All I've ever done different to anybody else is I keep learning and I keep studying mm. and. You know, Jim Rohn taught me when I was 16 years old. Was, I'm very, Jim Rohn, I've watched yeah. some of Jim Rohn's videos. Oh, yeah. He's amazing. Was. Yeah, well, he passed away, unfortunately. But I got to speak with Mr. Rohn. He was the Herbalife guy, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He spoke for Herbalife. Uh, Mark had him come in and teach everyone at Herbalife. But um, I spoke with Mr. Rohn. I first went to his seminar in Brisbane City Town Hall. I was 16 years old. This is one of the best motivational speakers ever. He was the best philosopher on the subject of success and yeah. business there ever was. Yeah. You know, and uh, I, I still remember I opened a speech for him because I took my notes down to him at the end of that speech at seven, at 16 years old and he signed my notes. And I said, Mr. Rowan, what's one thing I can mm. do to guarantee myself to be successful? And he said, son, read a book a week for the rest of your life. And so I've just continued that tradition now thousands later. And now, you know, like audio books make my life a whole lot easier yeah, these days. Totally. But I still remember and I have to give a shout out back to uh, the Rotary Club in Brisbane. Uh, I think it's District 963 who uh, sponsored me when I won the Rotary Youth Leadership Award when I was a kid at Sunnybank High School. (laughs) And uh, I went away for a week's training on how to be successful and how to be a leader. And that definitely changed the course of my life. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jim Rohn started out with Rotary as well because he was working for someone else and just got asked by chance to do a little talk at Rotary and thought, hang on, I can make money out of this. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mr. Rohn was a great educator, but there's so many great educators out there and that's where... The challenge for a lot of people is they don't keep learning. And, mm. you know, for someone like me who, you know, I, I buy companies and I build them and I sell them. That's what I do on a day-to-day. We just sold one on Friday, one of our property management companies mm. uh, based down in Texas. And, and you know, I'm super happy about that. I was in it two years. We sold out now two years later to a firm out of Silicon Valley. Mm. Um, and, and these are the sorts of things I do every day. I mm. buy companies and I like to think, you know, Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc is the greatest example to me of a business person who finds a great business. You know, his movie, The Founder, should have been called The Finder. Yeah, right. Because he didn't found McDonald's. He came along one day and look what I, oh, look at this. The McDonald brothers had a great system and he just said, how do I put this on every street corner in the world? And that's literally what I do today. I find good companies. I found one in Melbourne. Great cleaning business down there. Now we're expanding that. We've expanded all across Australia and now we're going to the UK. So... The, the, the founder, uh, man, he, he came off as a bit of a bastard in that movie. Well, that I movie. think they portrayed him very nicely in that movie. Oh, so he's a lot worse than that. Uh, all the stories of him were that he was a very tough man. 
Wow. Very crazy. tough man. And, and so, yeah, how many businesses do you actually own? I mean, you, you're talking like on a small uh, scale. It was, like- nine. it was nine. We're now down to uh, eight after Friday. So uh, we have a restaurant down here at the at the Wynn Casino. We have, La Cave. Yeah. That, yeah, I've been there. It's a That's great nice. little restaurant. The uh, We just expanded it, actually made it a bit bigger and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's so many good businesses to be in, and that's that's sort of what I love doing. I mean, I, I love finding great people and help. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Helping them go global in their business. Uh, we found uh, young Travis Bell in Australia, who's the bucket list guy, and now I've taught him, and, and uh, now he's licensing his system all over the world and has bucket list coaches all over the world. Uh, right. Another one down in Melbourne, Australia, uh, Engage and Grow, Rich Maloney, did a phenomenal job at designing an employee engagement program that now we have coaches around the world licensed doing that. I think we're in like 60-something countries doing that. So yeah, that's that's basically all I do. Find great businesses and take them global. You've been doing that for a while now, but what's your next big challenge? Well, I got five kids. I think that's enough of a challenge <laughs> for for life. You know, the baby the baby is only uh, uh, what's right now sixteen months. So uh, yeah, she's she's a miracle child. That one. So yeah, no more kids. That's no it. more kids. You know, we we weren't planning on kids, and crazy enough, you know, we my wife and I unfortunately were here when. Uh, the country music festival when uh, everyone uh, uh, when uh, Route ninety one yeah that was messed up I saw on Facebook that you were there yeah it was it was yeah messed up would be the That's nicest crazy. way to put it it's, how, how um, many people got shot well f- a lot of people got shot and fifty eight people passed away man it was uh, we're coming up on the second anniversary of it in a few weeks time but you didn't you know, know anyone or was it oh yeah um, oh, but man. it was you know when you sit and you look back. It was the most horrific moment of our lives. Mm. Um, you know, I was held up at gunpoint in Mexico one time, but mm. that was different. It was just me. Yeah. You know, I didn't have my wife there and I didn't have all my friends around. Yeah. And, you know, we, we were... Where but, were you but, when it happened? Uh, in the, in the uh, up the front? or No, we were off to the side, but uh, where we took cover, was, we, were un- we were under fire for about eight, nine minutes before we got out. Um, and, and, yeah, and... Uh, yeah, anyway, enough of that. The reason I bring it up is that mm. we didn't know at the time, but uh, two weeks later I had to take off to England to, to do some work stuff, and I, I was happy I did because I could get out of here and just clear my head and mm. just focus on something else. And my wife went up to Massachusetts, and she's like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm depressed from all this. Maybe it's had a bad impact on me. And she went to the grocery store with her mom and found herself buying uh, uh, apples, apples sauce and uh, Cool Whip or something, and she's like, why am I buying that? Last time I ate this, I was pregnant with the twins. Oh, pregnant. Nope, pregnant. So, you know, we, we found a great way to move on from all of the tragedy because we had to move on. We had a beautiful baby that uh, came into the world. And so she's actually became very famous, Riley, because uh, she was the youngest survivor of Route 91. Oh, yeah. And funnily enough, the day she was born, our Golden Knights, our hockey team here was playing in the finals and... Uh, the winning goal was scored by Riley Smith, and we didn't have what? a name for the kid picked out. <laughs> and uh, my second eldest, Kenzie, texts us all in the group family text and goes, hey, what about uh, Riley as a name for the baby? And everyone was just like, that's kind of a cool name. That works. We'll, we'll spell it different, but yeah, that's a cool name. And then uh, a few weeks later, my mm. buddy, um, you know, Penn and Teller, um, Penn's wife calls me up and goes, get down here. Penn's doing a thing with the Stanley Cup, which is the hockey... Ho- Maggie disappear or something. And so, oh yeah, they were doing that for a promotion and yeah. literally I took the baby down and sat her in the Stanley Cup. It was like, <laughs> you're named after a hockey player. And the hockey team here actually was the best thing that could have happened for our city is to help us move on from, from that, the, yeah. the attacks and, and that stuff. And your priorities change, I guess, after going through something so full on. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you you... My wife and I got split up on that night, you know, in the middle of all of the shootings. Oh, and I saw her running and I had to t- dive for cover because he started shooting again. Because he shot for about 30 seconds, stopped, shot again, stopped, shot again, stopped uh, a whole bunch of times. And as she was running, the guy next to her went down. Uh, he got shot through the leg. And, uh, you know, it's she was she got out and I knew she got out. And that's all I was just. Could have been her, man. But, that's so close. Oh, could have been any of you. Oh, buddy, it was all, it was everywhere. But the, the, 
the thing about it is, is you don't, I don't know if you change your perspective, but it reminds you of what's really important, mm. not what's sort of important type mm. thing. Mm. You know, growing up in Australia, you are very clearly, and it's such a clear delineation here in America, understanding what's important is not work. You know, in Australia, we build a business so that we can have a life. We don't, you know, we don't marry our work. Americans are far more into marrying their work. And Australians are unfortunately moving that way a lot too. And it's, they're losing the fact that lifestyle is the number one most important thing. But mm. it reminds you of that. And it's, you know, it's one of the reasons why I started selling some companies and mm. spending more time with the family. And now when we go on vacation, we do digital free vacations. Yeah, and you realize what's important. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it just reminds you of that stuff. Did you read any of the conspiracy theories about the guy that was there and it was all set uh, up? Like, you know, you just wanted to get as far away from it as possible. I, I I have a bunch of buddies that were there who got, I mean, they they literally got into a negative state because they just sat and watched all the TV stuff. And um, the sheriff at the time, uh, he, he great man, and he just stood up when he was asked the question, "Why did he do it?" And he said. If you try to get into the mind of a psychopath, the only thing that happens is you go crazy. Yeah. You will never know why. And for anyone to try and understand mm. why, you know, that, that's just silly. Mm. And, and I think that, you know, as human beings, we're drawn to, we're naturally drawn to a negative. You know, mm. you're driving down the highway, there's an amazing sunset. No one slows down to look at the sunset. But if there's a car crash, mm. everyone slows down to look at it sort mm. of thing. It slows the traffic. You know, it's, it's, and unfortunately, Australians are bought up with the tall poppy syndrome. Mm. You know, our convict roots definitely come back to us mm. in, that, in that way. You know, the difference, one of the reasons that I moved here to America is, I remember this vividly, I was driving in Australia, I had a beautiful bright yellow Lamborghini Gallardo and I'm driving down the street and there's, pull up a set of lights, there's a guy walking across the street, looks at me, looks at the car, looks at me, looks at the car, he doesn't know me from bar of soap and he's looking at me, he goes, you wanker! <laughs> and I'm like, what the, you know, and then here in the States, I have a beautiful Rolls Royce, the Drophead Coupe is the first one that they bought to uh, Las Vegas of that Rolls Royce Blue, the Phantom and it was a beautiful, beautiful car. Mm. I'm driving down the street and these two young guys pull over in their car next to me at the set of lights and they put their window down, a little Honda CRV, and they lean out and they go, hey, buddy, great car, well done. Mm. That differentiation in, in mentality mm. is what I see. I live here in a city where there's several billionaires mm. and no one attacks them for what they do. It's not, the newspapers are different. The way of the media is different. It's mm. not that whole let's attack everyone philosophy. It's let's build them up. Let's tell the world that, hey, these people employ hundreds of thousands of people. We should celebrate them, not beat them up. Is that one of the reasons why it's easier to make it in America? Because we have such a tall poppy syndrome in Australia? Oh, look, I think that that's part of it. Mm. Um, you know, in Australia, I, I've seen it many times, people who are very successful and they don't get celebrated for their success. In fact, mm. many of them hide their success yeah. because they don't want to get people getting all jealous about it and stuff. Mm. You know, I, I love Australia for so many reasons, but that part there really, it's really hard because I'm trying to teach people how to be successful. And you know, we take a lot of young people who want to be successful and, and then when they do, people are like, oh yeah, it's easy for you. You're the lucky one, that type of thing. It takes and a lot of work. And you know, it took 20 years to become an overnight success. Mm. I mean, that's the sort of thing. I didn't get, my first books were bestsellers in Australia and New Zealand, but not over here in the States, not in the UK and mm. that sort of thing. I mean, it's, look, it comes off that I think I'm, I'm being tough on Australia and, and I do need to be tough on it in certain ways. Yeah. But flip it over, you know, living in LA, just how much opportunity there is in this country to be a success. So and much just, more opportunity here. But it's not just that there's more, it's that they want you to be mm. a success. Yeah. The desire for you to be a success mm. here is so vast. Mm. And there are certain pockets, and I know within Australia, there's certain pockets where there's so many people that want people to be successful. And that's phenomenal. I think the attitude is getting better and better to success. Mm. And I see it different in different cities. You know, mm. in Sydney, success is celebrated a lot more than it is up in my hometown of Brizzy. Mm. Um, Even just- friends. They're like, I'll tell someone, oh, I'm hosting this event in LA. They're like, oh, really? Oh, how'd you get that? It's like, hang on a minute. Hang on. <laughs> I worked really hard. I, I, I would prefer you to say, oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, I guess you, you figure out who are your real friends when you get the reactions like that. You know, but I, maybe, maybe not because it's ingrained in us. Yeah, it you is, know, isn't it? It's an ingrained philosophy. From the convict thing because you, yeah. I, 
probably that far that long ago. You know, I mean, we're only you got to remember Australia is only two hundred odd years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. And when you go into China or into Europe or mm. into these other parts of the world, and you realize just how young Australia and America really are. Mm. Yeah, totally, man. So are you going to be back to Australia ever or are you here for good? Oh, possibly, possibly. You know, my parents are getting older and maybe I'll move back, uh, hang with them for a little bit. But they can have a house next door. You can have all your, uh, all like your grandparents that, in the I'll, same street. I've tried to convince them to move here, but my brothers are still there and they've got other grandkids there and all their friends and stuff. So we're lucky. We get to travel down there every year. They come over here every year and, uh, yeah, we get to spend a lot of time with them. So You're constantly traveling, aren't you? Yeah, but that's that's the life we like. Mm. We like being in different places. We enjoy being with the beach and mm. all that stuff. And when our older kids head off to college in the next two years, they'll mm. both be at college, and we think we'll travel school the the younger kids for a few years and mm. just take them to the world. And you know, how do you learn about Egypt? Well, you go and see the pyramids. You actually yeah. go and see them, type thing. Best and how do way you, to do it. Yeah, well, that to me, travel schooling. Like people say, homeschooling. No, we don't want to homeschool them. We want to travel school. We want them to go everywhere and see everything. At an age where they're going to actually remember it and sort of know that stuff. So you, you're an Australian citizen still or American citizen now? It's both. Oh, dual both. citizenship. Dual citizenship. And oh. all my kids are now dual citizens. And now, so Laura, my wife, says, well, maybe we should go and live there for a couple of years so I can get Australian. So we've all got all yeah, of it. Yeah, she you hasn't know? got it, has she? No, it's it's uh, same as it's hard for me to get mm. the American citizenship. It's still fairly hard for my mm. wife to get Australian. We've still got to live there for a period of time. It's a good gift to give your kids, though. Hey, guess what? You can go live in Australia if you, you got want. two passports, so you mm. can go anywhere in the Commonwealth, plus anywhere America's accepted. Like so. Bianca, uh, my fiance, she's got a green card, and she's eventually going to get U.S. citizenship. So, mm. hello, getting married. Thank you very much. And, and she's also got a Greek passport because her dad's Greek. So. Yeah. We could go anywhere in the world, well, eventually. You know, I, I sit back and I look at the way the world is coming. It's getting smaller. It mm. really is because of the internet, TV, Such an and exciting travel. time, isn't it? You just fly anywhere at the drop of a hat. You, you can be anywhere in the world in 24 hours type thing, and it's, it's so much fun. But, you know, that makes it both easier and harder. Um, I think it's easier because we can get anywhere, but it's also harder because we see a lot more of the negative stuff and, you know, the news doesn't report all the positive, it's just the negative. So, What freaks you out about America, though? I mean, we talked about the shooting, obviously, in Vegas. Mm. It, like, the gun laws here are so messed up. Yeah, look, the, it's again, it's the laws are not actually that bad, right? Mm. The laws for guns are not that bad. The philosophy around guns is where the challenge mm. lies. You know, I've, I've sat down with people over the years and sort of outlined a very simple step-by-step process, but... I mean, the biggest challenge with the gun laws here is that you don't have to be licensed to sell guns. Mm. So I just say treat it like a car. Mm. If, if you say that, you know, there's, there's more deaths by cars than there are by guns, great, let's treat them the same. Mm. You know, it, it's crazy. The other day uh, there was another apparent death from a jewel, a vaping thing, you know, mm. and, and so they're moving to outlaw vapes. And it's like, come on, you guys. You, How did someone you, die from vaping? I don't know. They blow up or something or whatever mm. it is. But anyway, it's, it's you sit there and... Um, you know, from outside America, it's easy mm. to be negative on America and its gun laws, mm. but it's part of the philosophy of the country. So you don't get involved in politics too much in Australia, but what about here in America? You know, Trump is an interesting character. Um, he's probably the best CEO America's had, but I'm not sure he's the greatest president. Um, the way I try and explain Trump to people is, let's just do this. Let's give your dad or grandfather, you know, the 70-plus-year-old, you know, man... Let's give him a Twitter of 12 million followers and see how embarrassed you are with his opinions. I'm embarrassed with my dad's Facebook now, let alone if he had that many followers. You just sit there and you think about it. I mean, it's embarrassing. Now, is he a genius at playing the media? 100% he's a genius at playing the media. People say he's so stupid. No, he's playing the media 100%. And, and you see it time and time again. Oh, he learned it with his show. I mean, Apprentice. the guy is the master negotiator. This is a guy that built and constructed buildings in New York when the mafia and the mob actually were there running trash and running the construction, running the concrete. This is a guy that's, that's negotiated everything. Now, that being said, is he starting to... Like, I'm not sure if you've noticed, but he is definitely toned down... A lot from when he first started. He's behaving himself you know? a little bit. Well, now. I think he's got a better team around him that said, "Listen, if you're going to get reelected, you're actually going to have to." But he did fire a lot of people. Well, he fires a lot of people all the time. But yeah. you know, that's and that's quite public his nature. Too. But that's his nature. That's mm. how he's always done things. You don't expect a leopard to change its spots. 
You know, fortunately or unfortunately, though, both uh, President Obama and President Trump, neither of them were governors before becoming president. Mm. Now, all, almost all presidents before had been governors. Now, the reason I bring that up is because they had to learn to play both sides of the party. They didn't play divisive politics. Mm. They actually played that. And we've gone from politics to personality ticks. Mm. It's not about the policy anymore. It's mm. you mention anything in politics and people are like, I hate that guy or I hate that gal. Yeah. It's like, well, hang on. What about their policies? And yeah. I remember for many years in Australia, I used to sit and have cigars with some of the heads of some of the biggest unions in Australia mm. uh, and then have dinner with the, the liberals on the other side of it. But I could debate politics with them, mm. policy, not people. Mm. And that's unfortunate where we've become all about the personality, not about the actual politics and what's best for the nation. Mm. What about the Democrats? Are you a Bernie man or uh, what about Biden? Do you think he's a bumbling old fool? What's the story? You know, uh, I would imagine the Democrats will pull a young person through. Yeah. Uh, I doubt... I mean, Bernie is Bernie's just so far out there. His role is to be the way out there guy, so that the next next person doesn't look stupid. You know, mm. it's it's that sort of role within the politics. Mm. Um, I don't know. The world we're seeing pendulum swings in politics at the moment. You know, mm. it was it was George W. and Dick Cheney running the country, and then it, the pendulum swung massively to, to President Obama. Then it swung massively again to President Trump, and we're seeing the same in Australia. Mm. And we're seeing the same in the UK. Brexit, yeah. Everywhere's going crazy politically right now. So but I, again, I just are, try and get on with it. I just people people are scared to say their opinion, though, and it seems like the silent majority uh, have have the, the most votes. Well, this is the thing. You, know, you you see it. Fortunately or unfortunately, um, President Trump won the vote of the average worker. Mm. Uh, you know, Hillary and Bill Clinton are so out of touch with reality of, of the average citizen that there was no way she was going to win. Her mm. campaign was all about her. His campaign, you, I look at it from a marketing perspective because mm. I think that when you understand what marketing actually won it, mm. you know, you look at Kevin07, the hashtags are winning it these days. ScoMo, that hashtag is the... It's, it's how the marketing happens is really important to understand. Mm. And Trump's Make America Great Again pulled at the heartstrings of all of that group of people. And mm. It was just phenomenal Even the marketing. ones who didn't think anything, anything was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make it great. Let's go back to what it used to be. Yeah. And so pulled it all that. And I'm not sure you can, you can do that this time around. Yeah. What's his, his slogan this time around is... I don't know, but it's not as good. It's so I'm Make not Ameri- sure. Keep America great. Yeah, keep America. Yeah, I made great, it great. Now I'm just going to keep it great. Know. But these are the things that, that we see. And here's what happens politically, though, on a global scale. Mm. All you in Australia see in, on your news is the two-minute soundbite of the stupid thing Trump did today, mm. not the good stuff. Like in the first hundred days in office, I'm sure none of you saw that he he met with the leaders of every industry over the first hundred days in office. He had all the leaders of the automobile industry in the White House, all of the leaders of female business, all of the movie industry leaders, all of the leaders of every industry came into the White House and met with him for a day. Mm. And you sit there, and I'm sure that was never no, reported CNN anywhere. going to report that. No, they're not going to report that these are the great things yeah. that have happened. They're not going to report the reductions in crime. They're yeah. not going to report that right now, like for me, becoming a citizen took twice as long because right now here in America, everyone that's been here illegally is now actually applying to become a citizen. Mm. And so the backup is massive mm. because they're just overwhelmed with all these people that should have done it before. And now they're actually doing it. I mean, it's so we, we don't see all the positives reported. We only see negatives reported. And the same with Australia. People, Australians come to America and ask me, well, what does Americans think of Australian politics? They don't. They never see anything. <laughs> Australia does get pretty caught up with American politics. Anyway, enough about politics. Yeah. Uh, we, we're, we're here to talk about success and we've been talking about everything. Talking well, we're about, sitting in the wine cellar. We should have talked wine today. How good is this wine cellar? This is the best wine cellar I've, I've ever been in. How many wines have you got here? You've even got computer catalogue systems. You've got Australian wines. You've got French wines. You've got Japanese sake over there. You love your wines. Yeah, we do love our wines. Uh, you know... In Australia, I was lucky enough, we lived in Adelaide in the renaissance of the wine industry when the Barossa and the Claire became a thing when I was a kid. And my dad would go up there all the time and us kids had to just drag along. But I do love our wine. And the Napa Valley here, you know, Napa is just one of the most beautiful parts of America and the Sonoma region. So, yeah, we get up there every year and just enjoy ourselves and 
There's some great wineries. You could so do a wine show in here. It'd be amazing. Um, so your book, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat, mm-hmm. is available now. It's uh, on the New York Times bestseller list, is that it? Uh, Wall Street, all that. I'm going to the UK next week. Hopefully I'll get it on the uh, UK bestseller lists when I'm there next week. And it comes out on audiobook uh, next week as well. So people can get it all over the world. Jump it, on and Amazon. And is it that easy? Can you just pull profits out of a hat, Brad Sugars? Huh, well... I'm pretty sure that's what I do, so, you know. <laughs> so uh, when you're looking for a business to buy, do you just look for ones that you can fill in the holes and you realise that they're doing something wrong? Or? Uh, I used to. So my book, Billionaire in Training, went into what I look for when I'm buying a business. Nowadays, what I mostly look for is a very good core business structure with great systems and marketing and stuff that just isn't, they just don't think globally. Right. Um, something you can take on a global scale. Yeah, I think globally all the time, mm. so... Um, what do you think yeah. is a good business to invest in at the moment? Like uh, the, the fake meat business seems to be growing exponentially. <laughs> the CBD oil industry is going Yeah, nuts. look, you know, those sorts of things. And you'll always get those new ideas that sort of shoot through the unicorns and that sort of stuff. I'm still a firm believer in basics. You know, basics. I, yeah, you see, you had a cleaning business yeah, and like, a real estate business. We're looking at, we're looking at one Everyone's right looking now. looking at the glamorous stuff. Oh, look, everyone looks for the glamour, but I live here in Vegas and one of our best companies is Zappos, and Zappos is in the shoe business. Why? Because mm. everyone buys them, everyone needs them. Mm. You know, you just find a better way of doing what's already done. Uh, we're looking at a pest control business right now. Why? You can't compete with us on the internet. You can't have pest control on the internet. Someone actually has to come to your house and spray for the bugs and do all that sort mm. of stuff. So I'm still a firm believer in all those basic businesses that people buy mm. every day mm. and they have a budget for it. They know they need it. They know they want it. So that to me is where a lot of money is still made today. If you look at the biggest companies in the world, um, yeah, there's the Apple and all of these that are the, the technology giants but again, they're unicorns. They're one in a million type mm. thing. The day-to-day, if you read the book, uh, The Millionaire Next Door, which is probably 15-odd years old now, it went into the most millionaires have boring, normal businesses. Mm-hmm. They're not glamour businesses. They're just normal businesses. And mm. you know, that, to me, is where we still focus our business. Everyone wants to be a rock star. Well, yeah. You know, it's like Mike Tyson said. Everyone wants to be a boxer. Everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face type thing. It's like... <laughs> You know, we sit here in a city where all the biggest boxing matches are, the biggest UFC fights are, and, you know, I still, our restaurant down at the Wynn, it's still people like food and drink, people like the those normal things. Um, so you had Tyson, and uh, you met your mates with Penn and Teller, and so what other, what other celebs have you got hanging out in your restaurant in Vegas, or uh, look, we you met up with here? All your the friend? celebrities, like the other night, my buddy's he's one of the Backstreet Boys, and so it's like... What? Which one? Brian. <laughs> but, you know, you sit there and you just look at it. I got buddies that are big country music stars, and all those sorts of things, and they're just normal people, but... You know, we, we live in a city where that is just normal. You in L.A. I mean, it's you walk into a restaurant in L.A. and there's going to be a famous movie actor sitting in the restaurant. There just is. Amongst all the Australians. And they're like, Mark, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's all the Australians and a couple of famous Americans. But Well, you're off to the basketball now, so I better let you go. Yeah, yeah the WNBA. We, uh, MGM bought a WNBA franchise yeah. and hopefully we it's get an final. NBA franchise. It's They're in the finals. So mm. the Las Vegas Aces doing well with our good Aussie girl, Liz Cambage, is yeah. our center. So... Wow, uh, she's she's doing phenomenally well right now. There's an Aussie girl absolutely crushing yeah. it. Just uh, featured in ESPN's The Body Issue. So, oh, really? yeah, six foot eight girl who's uh, doing amazing things. She's good Australia. fun representing Australia very well. Yeah, the uh, the girls did really well. Uh, the the Australian uh, uh, basketball team did brilliantly at the Commonwealth Games. I got to speak to her. Uh, backstage after she after she won after they won they were, they were pretty ecstatic. But basketball's coming in leaps and bounds in Australia. Yeah. And uh, and she's she's one of the best. So well, that'll be fun. Thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, mate. Good to have you in Vegas. Good really to cool. have you visiting. Yeah, thanks, man. I might stay for a while. Is that all right? <laughs> in this wine cellar. <laughs> I may not leave. I think Bianca will drag you out of here at some point. <laughs> Brad Sugars, thank you very much. Thanks for being on the mic. And uh, don't forget to go out and buy his book, the latest one, Pulling Profits Out of a Hat. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 